Let's face it, people have different sleep needs. While you love your partner, sleeping next to them might not always be the most comfortable. Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs, so you can choose what's right for each of you whenever you like. Maybe you prefer a firmer mattress and your partner needs something softer. Because of the individualized comfort that you get from Sleep Number Smart Beds, you and your partner will sleep better together. All Sleep Number Smart Beds feature cooling, pressure-relieving comfort layers for soothing sleep throughout the night. And their temperature balancing bedding is designed to move heat and moisture away when you're hot. When you're cool, they hold their energy to help warm you. The smart beds even automatically respond and adjust to your movements so you sleep comfortably all night long. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards only at a sleep number store or sleepnumber.com don't touch that dial you're tuned in to the dread podcast network you are now listening to postmortem with mick garris where the most influential voices in horror cinema will spill their guts to the renowned horror director writer and producer now, here's your host, Mick Garris. From Nice Guy Productions World Headquarters overlooking the glamorous San Fernando Valley, I'm Mick Garris, and this is Postmortem. Like every monster kid among us, I have a long and loving history with Halloween. But besides how it has earned such a deep and permanent place in my heart personally, it's also played a major part in my career. Of course, writing the script for Hocus Pocus has permanently cemented my bona fides in Halloween culture. I also set my adaptation of Stephen King's Writing the Bullet on Halloween in 1969, and I even directed an episode of Once Upon a Time that takes place on Halloween. But when it comes to the Halloween movies, there is still a deep connection there. The first time I met John Carpenter, I interviewed him for a magazine article in a tiny recording studio in Hollywood where he was hovering over a synthesizer and recording the score for his new movie, Halloween. And when I was doing specialized publicity for Universal, I was the unit publicist on Halloween too, and for a brief time I was Jamie Lee Curtis's personal press agent. Well, it has just come full circle. Last week, I was able to join Jamie Lee Curtis, director and co-writer David Gordon Green, and producer Jason Blum for a conversation about their latest chapter in the Halloween saga, Halloween Kills. This was done as a live stream video broadcast for Universal, Peacock, and Xfinity, but Universal has graciously allowed us to share the audio with you as our podcast for this week. So thanks to everyone involved for a very special group chat coming right up after this. This week's episode is sponsored by Yellow Veil Pictures. Everyone needs to be heard. Following its launch at the Sundance Film Festival, Frida Kempf's suspenseful and claustrophobic Knocking can now be pre-ordered for digital and on-demand release on October 18th. Starring Cecilia Miloco as Molly, who is just discharged from a psychiatric ward for a nervous breakdown and settling down in her new apartment. Knock, knock. 
Ominous knockings begin keeping her up at night as she tries to unsuccessfully locate the repetitive banging. As the knocks grow more desperate and when no one believes her complaints, Molly slowly spirals into paranoid behavior. See what the Hollywood Reporter called gripping from first scene to last by heading over to knocking-film.com to watch the trailer and to find out more information about the release. That's knocking-film.com. This December, give the gift of folk horror. Severin Films is proud to present All the Haunts Be Ours box set. It's 12 Blu-rays, 3 CDs, and a 126-page book. 20 feature films restored and remastered, including Eyes of Fire, Il Demonio, Allison's Birthday, Lake of the Dead, and the award-winning new epic documentary by Kayla Janice, Woodlands Dark and Days Bewitched. The package includes hours of special features, short films, and Linda Hayden reading folk horror classic The White People Unexpurgated. All the Haunts Be Ours box set is available at www.severin-films.com. Also coming this November, Nasty Habits, the Nunsploitation collection featuring four sacrilegious classics on Blu-ray for the first time. Christiana Devil Nun, Story of a Cloistered Nun, Images in a Convent, and the True Story of the Nun of Monza. Also available for the first time ever with original English soundtrack, Barbara Steele in her final Italian Gothic and Angel for Satan special edition. Visit www.severin-films.com for these and more of the finest in exploitation on Blu-ray. And Los Angelinos, be sure to join Severin at their pop-up film festival at the Cine Lounge in Hollywood on Saturday, November 6th, where all the new Black Friday sale titles will be revealed. Available now from Dread, Val. Finn, a wanted criminal, hides out with an escort named Val, a demon. Val offers to make his problems disappear if he follows her rules. She's been expecting him all along, and it won't be easy to escape Val's dungeon. Val is out now everywhere you buy or rent movies, and on Blu-ray November 2nd. Val. I'm Mick Garris, and we are live on the back lot at Universal Studios to celebrate Halloween Kills in theaters and streaming only on Peacock, October 15th. Our guests are Jamie Lee Curtis, director and co-writer David Gordon Green, and producer Jason Blum. And you can tweet questions of your own using hashtag AskHalloweenKills. You'll also have the opportunity to interact later by choosing some exclusive sneak peek clips using your Xfinity remote. I've seen the movie and it's quite the thrill ride. Halloween fans are going to love it. Before we get started, let's look at the trailer for Halloween Kills. He breathes. He kills. He breathes. He kills. He breathes. He kills. He dies tonight. And I'm the one to kill it. Happy Halloween, Michael. Where did our... 
Remember, you can tweet your questions uh, using the hashtag HalloweenKills. But Jamie, you and I worked together on this back lot a long time ago on Halloween 2. I know. And you were a teenager when Halloween kind of changed your life. How did it all come about? It came about the way actors, you know, have things come about. I auditioned for this little low-budget horror film. The offices were on Cahuenga <laughs> in this tiny little office. And I went in, I think, three times to audition. Wow. And I thought, of course, they would have picked me to be the cheerleader or the smart aleck, because maybe I'm a little bit of both. <laughs> but instead, John really saw something in me I don't think I even saw in myself at the time. Really? Which was a, a level of depth and vulnerability that I'm not even sure I knew what it meant. An incredibly strong female role at a time when there weren't many. And I had done a TV series where I had one line a week. And here was an entire script with the name Lori in it. And it allowed me to create a character in a way that I had never been able to do. And it, I think it made me an actor. Interesting for the first time. So, David, you had great success directing independent films like George Washington and comedies like Pineapple Express. What was it that made you feel you wanted to enter the world of Halloween and Michael Myers and terror and suspense? I think it was a balance of both uh, both risk, which I love, and nostalgia, which I love. And so the idea of taking a title like Halloween, working with an icon like Jamie Lee and, and John Carpenter as a collaborator, th these things were just amazing when I'm, when I'm looking at my, my life in terms of the inspiration of being a young film lover and, and being exposed to that film for the first time, the idea to play with those characters in Haddonfield was an incredible opportunity uh, that, that triggered both my love of horror films, my, my desire to do something different uh, and experience a new genre and work with collaborators like Jason and Jamie is a uh, dream come true. Can you lay out your concept for the trilogy? Yeah, the, 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 the first film that we did, the 2018 Halloween, was, was really um, to reintroduce... The, the fans that existed and new fans, audiences around the world to Lori and Michael and, and their very complicated relationship. Uh, so that was a fun one to, to gain the audience's trust and to fall in love all over again with w whatever that is between heroes and villains and the mythology that Carpenter and Deborah Hill created in 1978 to, to reunite that spirit. Uh, and, then the, and then the third film that we're doing to, to jump ahead is, is to bring resolve to that complicated relationship. The second movie, Halloween Kills, let's just have a hell of a lot of fun and make some noise. <laughs> yeah. And I think relates most closely to John's original in the ones I've seen. Yeah, that's the idea is to, to honor, respect something that is uh, uh, an important part of film history, put our own signatures uh, on it uh, collectively of all these characters with Jamie and, and our, our writers and an incredible cast. We have a legacy cast on this new film that brings characters from the original Carpenter film and then takes the seeds of some characters that we introduced in the 2018 film, uh, evolve that into a community story uh, of how Haddonfield responds to the trauma of Michael Myers. So Jason, your Blumhouse Productions has had great worldwide success in the world of horror. What was it about Halloween in particular that made you want to bring that on? Um, well, Halloween is, I think, one of the, one of, if not the most important horror film franchise there is there I think there have been more Halloweens than any other film than any other horror franchise it's uh it's uh 
they're, they're having, not that James Bond is horror, but it's approaching, uh, the, it's the James Bond of horror movies. <laughs> um, and uh, and um, I was, uh, people were, there hadn't been a Halloween for a while. People were kind of cynical about it. And I was really um, excited to see if we could do something that would surprise people. And uh, when I met with uh, the, the, the keeper of the, of the kingdom, who is Malik Akkad, who's our partner, um, he was uh, inspired by that pitch. And, and my real pitch was like, let's go back to the original as much as we can. That started with, uh, with John, who, John Carpenter, who, I, who we approached. And I, I said to Malik, I didn't want to do the movie unless John got involved. And, um, and it's been a great ride ever since. And what was that plan to resurrect Michael Myers and the evolution of Laurie Strode? Sorry? What was that plan to resurrect uh, Michael Myers and the evolution of Laurie Strode? In that this? was David Gordon Green's plan. I did not have that plan when I, <laughs> when I came aboard. I had the great idea of let's do something cool and different. But David over here figured out all of, all of the um, storytelling. He wrote, all, he wrote the scripts. He had an idea for what the three movies would be up front. And, uh, and really, that's, that was his contribution 100% to, to the three movies that we have. But one thing you need to know is also, David also wanted the spirit of the movie to be the same. And we all went to um, Charleston, and it was a, a no-frills movie. People were all paid scale. Nobody made a lot of money. No, there was no upfront money for me. I, we went back and there was a community feel about the movie that felt very reminiscent to the 1978 feeling where nobody had any, everybody was just doing it for the love of filmmaking. And, and I really fun. think it, it was what you did, David, that actually made that feel that way for everybody. Everybody knew we were doing something special. Everybody. You can feel that. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's palpable. And it was palpable on the set. And that's because of you, David. So we have a social question from the audience. Hey, JLC. JLC how, in the house. In the house, <laughs> outside of the house. How would you describe Laurie Strode in three words? And why do you think people keep coming to see these iconic films? I think she's brave. I think she's smart. And I think she's protective. Okay. I think that works. What about uh, the evolution of Lori from teenager to grandmother in David's films? What, how did that approach mature with the character maturing with Jamie Lee Curtis? Well, I, I just ask people to remember what they were doing when they were 19. Hmm. What they were wearing, <laughs> what they were thinking... You know, people evolve. Uh, I love the fact that Michael has evolved, that Michael has transcended. We have all transcended on some level. We are evolving. We are, we are different than we were when we were teenagers. I am, Jamie is very different than I was. And Laurie Strode has been through a lot. Trauma, we know, has a profound effect on people. And what we learned in Halloween Kills is that there is collective collateral damage. It's not just Laurie Strode. The new movie, what was so genius about the second aspect of the film is it's not just Laurie that's been traumatized. It's little Lindsay and little Tommy, who are now big Lindsay and big Tommy. Yeah. There's Marion, who is the nurse. 
There's, you know, um, Sheriff Brackett. All of these people have lost people and have suffered under the under the rage of Michael Myers. And I just thought it was a brilliant way to maturely explore that the way David just described it. So I'm, you know, Lori is just different because she's matured and she has survived and learned. We have a special sneak peek clip that we're going to take a look at right now. Ooh. (laughs) Tommy. Tommy, you can't go in there. Lori. Lori. Tommy. He killed Marion. And he attacked Lindsay, too. What? Karen. We didn't know for sure. I didn't know what to tell you. Mom, I just want you to be okay. Listen, I just want you to know, when he gets here, I'm going to kill him. Because 40 years ago, when I was a kid, you protected me. So tonight, I'm going to protect you. Okay? Nurse, you know, I appreciate you, but could you get out, please? Like, get out now. We had him. How did he escape? I don't know. I don't know. What do we do? We don't have the police support. We fight. We always fight. Anthony Michael Hall. Come on. Killing it. Oh, wait. You can't say that, man. Okay. (laughs) Okay. By the way, have you noticed that everybody, I mean, the reason we know that horror films are so important is all people say all over the place is, Girl, you slayed. You killed it. <laughs> you I killed mean, it's just, it's everything you see. <laughs> true. It's ridiculous. It's true. We've had a profound effect. Especially the women. So, David, um, you talk about your respect for the original. How did you research the Halloween mythos? You had Carpenter's uh, collaboration on this. So how did you handle increasing the scale so it's not just Laurie versus Michael, but the entire town of Haddonfield? And how much did John contribute to that? Yeah, so a lot of it's just watching the movie over and over. I took care of that from the ages 11 to 44. So um, so the, the mythos was already kind of ingrained in my DNA and the appreciation for what he'd done and, and, um, and then collaborating with him. I remember the first time Jason and Danny McBride and I went over to his house to visit him and pitch him our concept for it. And just I've been such a fan of his uh, since I was a kid watching Big Trouble in Little China and The Fog and... Um, they live, and so many of his movies were inspirational to me as a, as a young film lover to go over there and literally pitch him an idea that is based on his idea and original, <laughs> uh, was, was pretty, pretty wild. But then uh, that went well, strangely. That's why we're all here today. Yes. <laughs> and, uh, and then him as a, a collaborator on the, on the composition. He works with his son, Cody, and Daniel Davies, and they, t- together the three of them d- provide the score for us. And um, I, I try to use... Uh, I try to use John and, and Nick Castle, who was the shape in the original film, um, Michael Myers in the original film. Uh, I use them both as consultants on the script and the edits, and I, I really uh, I, I need that kind of collaboration, and I need that um, the the authority that they bring to it when they'll call me on uh, out when my ideas might get a little too far out or bring it back down to earth, or the opposite of you're you've already been here, let's do something new and innovate. And so I think it's great. I feel like I can navigate those waters if I have the guidance of the godfather which in my mind that's what he is <laughs> that's for sure so jason how did you bring david into the fold into the director's chair what i want to know this well yeah. <laughs> well i well funny you should ask uh because <laughs> that's I my job a, i just got it we 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 both got an incredible present um from uh from jlc uh which is exactly uh relevant to that question which is um i saw george washington on a lot of Fox, right when it came out, and I was so impressed by the movie, 
And I always kind of, I have a strong belief, and I'm sure all three of us have a strong, strong belief that to direct a good horror movie, you don't have to be a good horror movie director, you have to be a good director. And so I'd been, I'd been in touch with David over various things, but nothing had come together. Anyway, I, when we got the rights to, uh, to Halloween, I sent him an email. On September 7th, 20... Um, 16? No, no. 26, 2016, 16. September 7th at 8.52 p.m., you wrote an email to David. Exactly. Now, this email is now printed and hanging in my house. <laughs> uh, actually, it's not hanging. It's on my bedside table right now. It's about to be hanging. And, uh, and David has one, too. Jamie printed and framed these emails that the I email sent. The email between the two of them. Which are, which, are, which are fantastic. You remember what it says better I than do I do. I do everything. Yeah, so you uh, said. The subject line is Moonshot. Moonshot. <laughs> which That's is cool. great. Um, Jason wrote, Moonshot. DGG, I knew you were going to maybe do Suspiria, so I'm throwing out an idea. Halloween, complete creative control, Carpenter doing the score. Is this a sandbox you would like to play in? And then the next email was from David at 8.32 in the morning the next day on the East Coast saying, whoa, period. Let me get my coffee. Whoa, period. (laughs) And then something like this is the best morning email I've ever gotten. (laughs) And then this was so amazing because he said... I saw John and his son doing music in Austin. It is badass. I and, saw him play in Spain. Okay, with but the band. so that Amazing. but it was the idea awesome. that David was like already immersed in the carpenter of it all. Yeah. That was the email. Why though? Why? You just knew? I loved it. I mean, I mean, honestly, I, I'd offered you a few movies before that, right? Or no? No, no. We talked about various things. Yeah, we talked about various things. I just thought, I don't know. I love his I thought he was a great director. I love his directing, and I thought he'd do a great job with it. I don't, I don't know why. I a just, good filmmaker is a good filmmaker. Well, for exactly. sure, but there's something yeah. magical about that email. He's got and a little, like, he's got... Halloween, I was thinking as I wore my Western shirt today, there's something about Halloween that's kind of got a Western, wow. Southern yeah. vibe to it. I, feel, I think of him as that too. I don't know why. There's something. And by the something way, country about I Halloween. May, <laughs> if I may, there's also similarities between you and John, David. You're both Southern boys. Yeah, right. You're both raised well. Right. Um, you, John calls me darling. <laughs> um, you both went to film school and you work with your friends from film school. Your DP, your sound engineer, are your friends from film school. Tommy Wallace and Nick Castle were, were John's friends from film school. There's some similarity also to the way that you work. And I just think without you maybe even knowing that, there, there is a very, and you're both a little weird, which is good, <laughs> by the way. We're all, all a little weird. Well, dude. I mean, duh. everyone up here is a little weird. But I just it think, all works I think there's also some, there's also some that beautiful, magical, unknown you know, miracle. The magic. I that, think that's very true. Yeah. They do have. Well, we have a special story. treat for Xfinity customers to choose which sneak peek clip we're going to show. Ooh. Oh, you can boy. vote for one of these two clips boy. as many times as you like with your Xfinity remote. Boy. Oh, boy. This is like one of those tell your own story things. Yes. <laughs> well, t- there's a tense scene in a local park 
or a call to arms in the hospital. Those are your choices. So vote now. Vote for me. Vote for me. Oh. <laughs> I'm not in either, but it's fine. <laughs> okay, so Jamie, how does it feel to be such an integral part of the iconic Halloween saga? This has lasted over 40 years. We are sitting on the back lot at Universal Studios. I started my career as a contract player at the age of 19 on the lot at Universal Studios. I pulled onto the same lot today that I did when I was 19 years old and I was a contract player. I am the same girl as I was. I looked up and saw the arch of the gate and I thought, wow. <laughs> I feel that like in my core. I think I've never lost it. That enthusiasm for my work, I have as much now, more now. I am more alive, more in my mind and in my body than I've ever been. And I just think that it was, again, a sort of miracle happening that I ended up in this movie, and here I am at 62 years old, on the back lot with these gentlemen. In the and magic And you, land. my old friend, oh, and yeah. we haven't seen each other in such a long time. So and long. you're, by the way, Mick knew Deborah Hill really, really, really yeah. well. Yeah. She was a very close friend of Mick's. Yeah. And that's how we all know each other all these years. So Amazing. there's some magic going on, and Deborah. It's a nice circle. It's a yeah. beautiful thing. <laughs> so let's look at the results for the clip you that you chose. Did you vote for me? Who did you vote for? Come and on. This, the tenth scene in the local park is the winner. I'm not in it. Let's take a look. Darn it. Hey, what are you guys doing out here? It's Halloween. We've been trick or treating. We got a whole bag. You guys should not be out here right now, okay? It's not safe. <laughs> You're gonna kill me? <laughs> Satan, not today. Oh, I'm so scared. Are you guys alone? Where are your parents? No. No, we're waiting for our friend. And like, there's a creepy man in a white mask, and he keeps like trying to play hide and seek with us, and he's taking the <laughs> Where did you see him? He's just hiding behind trees. And he pops out like peekaboo. I mean, we're not three years old. Come on, man. Oh, look, there he is. Oh, hello. Hello. Dennis's mask. Run! Go home now! Before he kills us all, get out of here! Run! Do not turn around! Keep going home! I gotta tell you something. I was thinking about it today. There's a scene in Halloween where Laurie Strode says to little Lindsay and Tommy, run! Do as I say, go, get out of here. And here you're now replicating that same moment mm. with now big Lindsay grown-up, protecting children. There's some beautiful symmetry to that. It's really great. It's 40 years later, and it still has the same impact that yeah. it did in 1978. Uh, we have another social question from the audience. Hi, Jamie. What was your reaction when you were approached for the next two Halloween movies? Well, I will tell the truth. I didn't know about this trilogy <laughs> originally. <laughs> um, I had never heard the word trilogy. I heard the idea that we might when, do another movie when we were doing looping at Sony. And we sat outside under the rainbow. And you and I, David, had a, a little meeting and you were like, so. So anyway. This is what I'm thinking. <laughs> Wait, you didn't hear about movie two and three until the first movie was done? Yeah. We were yeah. doing. Well, that was, we that were, was absolutely deliberate because you know, I'm sure you it were, was deliberate. You were, you know, I didn't want to overwhelm you. You were very. You, know, you were. You were not sure you were going to do one. I said, well, definitely it, don't tell her. They're yeah, free. yeah. But <laughs> start it, with one. But I'm telling you, it was. Don't you remember that day? I do. Remember I remember that. exactly where we were sitting on that white wall, right outside under the rainbow. Yeah. And he mentioned 
this idea of the collateral damage, mm. the collateral trauma of bringing back Lindsay and Tommy and Marion and Brackett and, and Hawkins and, and the, the group. The reunion. The reunion. Yeah. Well, we have another audience choice moment for Xfinity customers to choose which sneak peek clip we're going to show. You can vote for one of these two clips as many times as you like with your Xfinity remote, and the clips are more mayhem and terror in the park or rallying the troops moment. Choose me! Go ahead and vote now. <laughs> okay, we have uh, another question for you, Jamie. Are there horror films that oh, you've worked on that have scared you or is it too much viewing behind the curtain? Because I know your mother told me she never took showers after Psycho. Did that's, you have any uh, That's thing? true. Um, no. I mean, I'll be <laughs> honest. We were talking about Nick Castle. You know, Nick Castle was a father of two little kids. Those kids were on the set. You know, it's hard to be afraid of somebody when they're playing with their kids and then they put on the mask. Yeah. Um, it's interesting because James Jude Courtney who plays Michael in the current films, is a much more, um, I don't want to call him a method actor, because that would be, you He's know. a very spiritual, cerebral He's a spiritual, sweet man, but he's deep. And he also wants to keep distance from us when we're working. He's not jovial and playing around. He stays in character. And there's something very uh, powerful about that, and a little creepy. <laughs> so there have been times on the new movies where I will look over and he will be in character and it will catch me for a minute and I'll go, ah! and then I'll remember it's just uh, the, um, him. Well, there, there's a lot of responsibility in doing a sequel. The, the 2018 Halloween was the most successful of all the Halloween films in terms of box office, $250 million gross or more. So the responsibility of doing a sequel to that that not only satisfies the audience that loved that movie, but brings them something new. How do you walk that line, David? Well, that's, uh, that, that's, the, that's the balance, because not only do you want to bring in the fans like, like, like we are that know, it, know the original so intimately, but you want to invite new people to that conversation um, and, and to celebrate what, what Halloween is. And then, and then the idea is you, you, you uh, present this new package to people, they like it, they'll look back and see where, where the origins are and where, where it all began. So. It's a, it's a balance of homage and innovation. Again, it's, it's how, do you, how do you pay respect to the material and the characters and the, the, the creation that was there before you, um, making things a little different tonally and, uh, I don't know, technically editing and, and some of the camera work uh, is, is a little, little more activated and a little less composed uh, in, in, our, in our... But then when we flash back into the 1978 sequence, we try to really emulate exactly yes. what Carpenter had done. So, so in a way, Halloween Kills shows the juxtaposition between the two um, filmmaking styles. Using the tools of cinema that have evolved from 1978 to 2021. Yeah, and it's fun. You know, our, our cinematographer, Michael Simmons, reached out to Dean Cundy, who shot the original film, and getting his advice on everything from lighting to, to the, their approach technically, technically to that, and then having John as a consultant when we need it. And it's just, it's just a, a fun way to um, exercise your own voice, but always have this um, set of, of hypothetical rules that we've kind of set up for ourselves and things that we 
do want to explore and where we can push the envelope and then where we want to really be um, uh, considerate of, of our boundaries. Well, we have the results for our quip choice and it is rallying the troops. So let's take a look at the Am clip. I, I, don't I don't know. know. I don't know. Uh, listen, folks, listen, folks, please. The boogeyman is at large. He's got no choice but to emerge. He is an apex predator. When he surfaces, there will be no pause. There will be no empathy. This ends when Michael is dead. Michael Myers will be executed tonight and it will not go without witness. We need all of you. Evil dies tonight. Whew. So, potent stuff. Whew. Jamie, what's your experience when you sit with an audience for the first time in a film like this? Have you sat with an audience for Halloween Kills? So I saw Halloween Kills at the Venice Film Festival oh. with a full house for the first time. Wow. And that was intense. Um, <laughs> you know, it is an intense experience. It is brutally violent. It is, it is, um, it is exciting. It's uh, terrifying. It's terrifying and beautiful in many ways. There's really beautiful poetry and there's sort of an operatic feel at the end of the movie that is just breathtaking filmmaking. And by the way, we, I heard today even from David that it was part of that was even born out of losing the light and needing to continue to shoot. So then how do you do that? And they came up with a way to continue the sequence and it makes the sequence so much better. So it's just those happy accidents that you can't really um, plan for or produce. They just occur if you're in the Petri dish of that creativity. The magic of serendipity. Yeah. yeah. Well, what a great way to put a cap on it. Uh, Halloween Kills premieres in theaters and streaming only on Peacock October 15th. And it stars Jamie Lee Curtis, Judy Greer, Andy Matichek, and Anthony Michael Hall. And it also features Kyle Richards, Nancy Stevens, and Charles Cyphers all returning to reprise their roles from the 1978 original. I want to thank Jamie Lee Curtis and Jason Blum and David Gordon Green for this exclusive Xfinity stream. Just say Halloween Kills into your voice remote now to watch the trailer. Thank you, everyone, and good night. Good night. Happy Halloween. Thank you for listening to Postmortem with Mick Garris. Download new episodes every Wednesday and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcast app. Thank you for listening to the Dread Podcast Network. Calling all coffee drinkers. If you've been trying to enhance your daily coffee routine, then Quest has got your back with their brand new iced coffees. Now available in two delightfully delicious flavors that'll be sure to add an extra pep in your step. Vanilla latte and mocha latte. Quest has been on a mission to help fuel you with protein-forward foods you'll love. Each bottle of Quest Ice Coffee is packed with 200 milligrams of caffeine, the same amount as two cups of regular coffee, plus 10 grams of protein per serving to help you supercharge your day. And did I mention that they only contain one gram of sugar? It might just be time to cheat on your iced coffee with iced coffee. Find Quest Ice Coffees on Amazon.com slash Quest Nutrition. That's Amazon.com slash Quest Nutrition.